0: I mean. Oops. No good. Whenever, whenever you want. Okay. Psalm one hundred forty-five reads, "All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord." And let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks and praise. Help our mouths to speak your praise, your glory forever and ever. We ask that as we gather for this worship and read your word, that you will speak to our hearts, that you will be glorified, and that we will be strengthened. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. morning. Welcome to Powell Presbyterian Church. Uh, We do have uh, a few things uh, that are happening a little bit down the road. Uh, There's no uh, Wednesday morning prayer meeting or Bible study this week. Uh, So uh, that will resume in January, but but this week we will not be doing that on Wednesday. Uh, Now some things uh, that will be coming along, the Monday morning uh, Bible study is going to resume, actually going to start up a new study on January 4th, and that will be on Monday the 4th at 11 a.m., and the books are in the church. If you're interested in that, uh, you can talk to Diane, and she will help you, uh, she'll Well, there's not much to organize there, uh, but she'll uh, be expecting you and and let you know where those books are if you do want a book and we'll make sure we get those to you. Um, Also, our youth is going to resume in January. Uh, Right now, we're thinking not the first Wednesday of January, but that second uh, Wednesday, we should uh, be picking up uh, the youth as we uh, get back into that. Uh, As always, if there's any changes that take place, uh, you can look on our Facebook page or our website, and we'll try to get changes up there as quickly as we can. And so, uh, also, I do want to add a note of thanks. Uh, We went Christmas caroling last week, and uh, not only did we have fun, but uh, it was... Uh, we did bring joy to this neighborhood and, and to those that we did sing to. And I've actually talked with some of those that we sang to uh, since in, in this past week and, and how grateful they were that they could hear uh, some songs and uh, see some, some pretty faces and some like mine uh, singing songs to them this Christmas time. Uh, so thank you for that. And uh, those are the announcements that we have. And so uh, what I would like to do is have us uh, go to the Lord in prayer. And I will give you just a couple of seconds here if you want to prepare your hearts. And then, then I will pray. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do adore you. As the song says, oh, come, let us adore him. And we do. We come with our thanksgiving. We come with our praise and we come with our worship. As as we still think of this child born in Bethlehem so many years ago, our Savior, the one who brings us righteousness, the one who died for our sins. We can be children of you because of him. We thank you for that. We thank you for all that you bless us with in this creation. And though we sin, we, we come to you, and you are there with forgiveness. Help us to leave our sin behind, to walk firmly in your truth, in your path of righteousness. But for those times when we stumble, call us back. Remind us of your forgiveness. Remind us of Christ, that we can return, that we can give you praise, that we can confess and be made righteous. Heavenly Father, your mercy and your grace is beyond our comprehension, but we thank you for it thank you so much for our salvation. And Heavenly Father, we pray for all of those who will be traveling this, well, today. Uh, There's there's a small uh, group of us here, and we know that that many of those will be uh, on their way back. Some are actually traveling to someplace right now, and so we just pray that the roads will be safe, that everyone will get to where they need to be uh, safely, and, and we pray for all of those uh, policemen and, and ambulance and, and fire and everyone charged with keeping us safe on the roads and in our homes, that you will bless them and the job that they are doing today. And as always, we pray for uh, this pandemic and those who are sick, and there are many who are suffering this holiday season, this time between Christmas and New Year's because of, of this pandemic, maybe not being able to go where they wanted, being alone this time of year, or perhaps being sick. We lift them up to you and ask that you will give them your, a sense of your presence and that you will give them healing that can come from you. Gracious God, we do pray for those who are uh, having surgery. We think of John having surgery this week, and we uh, pray for a special blessing on him and his doctors and nurses that all will go well there. We know of others who are recovering from surgeries, and we pray that that will continue to go well. Some that are waiting for test results or waiting to go in to take tests, and We lift them all up to you, knowing that you are the God who controls all things and loves all your people. And so, Heavenly Father, we lift them to you with great confidence, knowing that you are a merciful and gracious God. We do pray for those who are struggling in this weather right now. Some places of this nation have had a lot of snow and a lot of cold. Uh, We are experiencing uh, cold, and there may be more to come. And so, Heavenly Father, for those who are ill-equipped to handle this cold, we ask that you provide for them, that you will keep them warm, that you will open up places that, that they can go for food and, and shelter in this time. Heavenly Father, you've told us you will be with the last and the least, with the meek, the orphan, and the widow, and, and so we do lift them up to you. And we ask that you provide uh, people and places for them to be, uh, during this time especially of, of cold weather. We pray for our leaders. We ask that you keep them safe and healthy. In this time of transition, we ask that this will all go smoothly and that uh, we will be led uh, with wisdom. We ask that you will uh, enter into the hearts of all of our leaders and guide them that we may live in peace, as it's written in scripture. And so uh, we do lift up our leaders to you. and and ask that you will touch them uh, with your wisdom and that they will lead rightly. We do pray for your church in this world, especially at this time where there is so much going on and and just a very difficult year that we are uh, coming out of. But we pray that you will keep your church pure, you will keep your church active and bold, that we will continue to do those things that you've called us to do. Help us lay aside our, our sin. Help us to lay aside those things that trip, up, uh, trip, uh, trip us up. Help us to, to see uh, your will and to walk in that way. Gracious God, we... We look forward to this new year and what it may bring. And as I've mentioned, it's, it's been a tough year that we're coming out of, but yet we can enter the new year with joy because we have Christ. And in the end, Christ will make all things right. He told us, behold, I've, I've overcome the world. And so as we look forward to going into 2021, we ask that this will be a year where we can walk even more closely with you. That you will guide us every step of the way, no matter what comes. And we're at the point now where almost nothing surprises us anymore. But Heavenly Father, uh, we know of our reliance on you. We know how much we need your grace. We know how much we need your leading. And so give us eyes and ears to see and hear you, that we will never stray, but that we will keep on your path. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can have this confidence because Christ has come into the world and died for our sins because your Holy Spirit speaks into our hearts and leads us and reminds us of Christ, because you are all-sovereign and all-powerful, and because you have given us these great promises in Christ of salvation and of eternal life with you. We love you and we thank you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And what I will have you do then is turn to 1 Corinthians. Uh, we will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and uh, we'll read verses 1 through 5. And this week between uh, Christmas and New Year, and I mention this pretty much every year, it's, it's a neat week for me. Uh, I've always really liked this week, back when I was in school, it meant I had no school. And that was a very wonderful thing to me. Uh, but even now, there's this, this week here, and it reminds me of how we live. We have Christ. Christ is in the world. We've celebrated Christmas, and, and we have Christ. And there's the promise of the new Now, unfortunately, sometimes when we go into the new year, we get there and it's like, well, this was a disappointment. Uh, It won't be that way when Christ comes back. The new heavens and the new earth and there, all things will be made perfect. And so we look forward to that. And this week is always this reminder to me that that's the tension we live in. We have the promises in Christ. They're not fully realized yet, but they will be someday. And so uh, we'll reflect on that a little bit. And and this passage, Paul gets right to the heart of of what we take with us. There's really one thing that we bring out of this year and and that we can walk boldly into the next year. one thing that we're really all about, and, and Paul gets to it. As he writes here uh, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians. And so uh, let me read this passage, uh, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And when I, or, or and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God the word of the Lord let's pray Heavenly Father We do thank you that you are the powerful God. And we thank you that we have this message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that is where we build everything, our whole lives. And so, Heavenly Father, we ask that as we look into your word, you will teach us these truths, this truth of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul, uh, who wrote this letter to the Corinthians, is a fascinating study. There are, I don't know how many books written about the Apostle Paul, about his life and about what his life may have been like, and about his theology. Uh, Just a fascinating uh, person and really lived uh, two lives almost uh, there was, he was a, a Pharisee, very zealous Pharisee, and, and persecuted the Christian church for a, a time. He would go out arresting them so they could be put in jail or beat or sometimes even put to death. He was right there uh, when Stephen was martyred, holding the jackets, giving his approval to those who were stoning Stephen because of his faith in Christ. And, and so he had that, but then uh, Paul himself becomes the persecuted. He himself dies because of his faith in Christ. And he just had these extremes and, and uh, great theology as Christ spoke to him. And, and he writes about it in, in so many of these letters in the New Testament. And he was, as I mentioned, he was a, a, a Jewish uh, Pharisee. And, and among the most zealous of them all, in fact, in Philippians 3, Paul is, is writing and he's, he's saying, if you think you have salvation in the law, forget it, you don't, it's all about faith in Christ. And, and then he mentions, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, uh, that's the law, he said, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a, a Pharisee, a zealous Pharisee at that, and, and as to righteousness under the law, blameless. He's not saying he was sinless, but he followed all the law, blameless. He said, if you think you can get to heaven by the law, you would have to get in line behind me. But then he would point out, but I can't do it. I kept the law, but that... I didn't keep the whole law, and I'm still, I still need a savior. But he said, I I was, I was what the Jewish people, Jewish children could look at me and say, that's what I want to grow up to be, because he's one of the good ones. And he was educated in Acts 22, educated at the feet of Gamaliel. Uh, and, and he mentions that that he was uh, educated by Gamaliel according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, which is the Jewish people. Now, who is Gamaliel? Why is this a big deal? Well, in Acts 5, we learn that Gamaliel is the teacher uh, of, of the law held in high honor by all the people. Uh, And R.C. Sproul uh, writes that he was one of the most famous rabbis of his time, probably uh, a grandson of Rabbi Hillel, who was the leader of one of the two great schools of Jewish legal interpretation. In fact, so what we're saying is Paul, he went to the Ivy League of Jewish law schools, if you will. And they had law schools back then, even. Uh, and, and Paul learned from the best of them. He had all the training, he had all the resources, he had all the upbringing uh, to, to dazzle people with intricate uh, details of the law. Uh, he had the ability to speak, as, as Charles Spurgeon once said, uh, to preach in a way which requires a dictionary rather than a Bible to explain. You know, and some people like that kind of preaching. Just give me this lofty language and, and dazzle me with what you know. And Paul could have done that. He had that upbringing. He had the resources. But Paul knew that that kind of preaching will never save anyone. He knew that God doesn't bless that type of preaching. There's no power in that. And Paul, when we think about him, he really, uh, in theory, could have made a, a name for himself at times, of course, God would have stopped him if he had tried, but, but there were times, uh, one of them is in Acts chapter 14, when Paul and Barnabas are in Lystra, and, and there's a man there, with he's not been able to walk, he's got bad feet, and, and Paul and Barnabas were, were preaching, and then they heal this man. And, and the people of Lystra, uh, they look at Paul and Barnabas and they say the, the gods have come down in the likeness of men and they call Barnabas Zeus and, and Paul they call Hermes because he was the chief speaker. That would have made sense to them. But, but they give them the names of, of gods and, and Paul and Barnabas could have said, oh great, now we have their attention. Now we can really do something and and get ourselves a good following, but they didn't. They tore their clothes and they said, why are you doing these things? We are men. But here's what we have. We bring you good news that you should turn turn from these vain things to the living God. Who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in it? Don't look at us like we're gods. We're just telling you about the living God. I mean, Paul had some really neat opportunities uh, in his life to really bolster himself. And just before Paul went to Corinth, now these are, are letters that he had written after he w- had already vis- visited the Corinthians. And he, he wrote at least three letters. We have two of them in Scripture. Uh, but he wrote at least three letters. But before he went to Corinth for his visit, he was in Athens. And you can read about that in Acts chapter 17. Uh, but Paul was in uh, Athens and. Luke writes of the city of Athens in uh, Acts 17:21. Now all the Athenians and foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. And I kind of like that. It reminds me of, of our culture. Uh, people don't really change all that much. The technology changes. Now we have people, uh, social media. If they had had social media, Paul or Luke would have probably written it, and all they did all day was stare at their phones and did things on social media. Always looking for a new debate to get involved in or, or looking for approval. You know, I'll put something out there, I'll be clever, and, and you know, rather than someone physically standing there with a thumbs up or thumbs down, uh, you know, hit, hit the like button or, or whatever it is. And that's, that's kind of how we are. We want that approval and, and, and we want to get involved in these debates. But back then in, in Athens, uh, they had longer attention spans and, and they would uh, spend time on philosophy and all of these this, uh, long debates back and forth and you would take sides and, and Paul would come in and he could hold his own in these debates if he wanted to, uh, but he would come in and start preaching Christ. Start preaching the resurrection. And, and so uh, when he was in Athens, then he, they, they left Athens. And in Acts chapter 18, it says, then Paul uh, left and went to Corinth. And, and that was his trip to, Corinth, uh, to the Corinthians. And they were expecting, they liked, as well as in Athens, they liked the debates. They liked, give us this worldly wisdom. Give us something new. Give us something clever, something cutting-edge, and then let us debate back and forth. And, and they were somewhat unimpressed with Paul and with his debating style. And you can read about that in, in 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 10 especially. Uh, they, they were kind of disappointed. Here he is, he's, he's preaching Christ, the timid, weak. He's afraid of God. And And Paul... Uh, said, yeah, that's, that's how I came to you. Uh, when you look at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, and, and you see in verse uh, 22, he said that the Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. They were looking for all this great wisdom that I could bring them and, and all this other things, but I, I preach Christ crucified. And that's what he says when we get to our passage in chapter 2, those first two verses. And when I came to you, brothers and and sisters, he uses the word that's all-encompassing there. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I didn't come proclaiming to you the testimony of God. And that word testimony there could actually be translated mystery. And I kind of like that translation. I didn't come to you trying to explain the mystery of God. To blow you away with all of my new insight on, on God and, and maybe uh, use some philosophy and, and some other ideas to explain, God, no, no. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm going to leave all that other stuff behind. No lofty words, no lofty wisdom, christ and him crucified because paul knows this paul knows our need our, our, our deep necessity our deep need for christ and paul also knows of christ's all sufficiency you know even in the old testament they, they understood they needed a savior You know, Job, who's one of the oldest of the Old Testament guys that that we know, among the oldest, it's hard to date the book of Job, but we know it goes way, way back. And even he at one point said, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? There is not one. Of course, he's writing this before Christ came into the world, but he could look around, he said, we're sinners. We've all sinned. And who can make us clean? And looking around at who is around him, there's not one of us. There's not one who can make us clean. And, and the Psalms are, are full of that. And, and the prophets would, would speak of this, the, the, the wicked will be judged. There's judgment coming, and you must be righteous. And, and it was a constant theme in the Old Testament. And Paul as he enters into uh, his preaching, he he could have relied on his upbringing and his great skills, his, uh, great rhetoric, uh, his, his oratory skills, and, and baffled them with some wisdom and intricate details of the law. He could have given them all of that, but there's a couple of problems there. The first being, they're still sinners. They're still sinners who need to be made righteous. They need to be forgiven. There's still judgment. They'd still be condemned. There's still unrighteous people who are going to stand before a holy God. They might think Paul is brilliant, but you know what? They're still unrighteous before the holy God. And Paul would remind them of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He said, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. We must all up here before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul's saying, if I just give you a whole bunch of wisdom, a whole bunch of stories maybe, if I can dress real neat or, or, or seem real witty somehow, uh, it's not taking care of the problem. You know, it's almost like the, the car mechanic. You go to a mechanic and you say, well, he's a super nice guy and he's got great stories and he can really tell me all the parts of a car. He can name all the parts and, and point them out and I sit in his lobby and he's got great music and I love the music, and, and, but can he fix your car? That's the bottom line. Can he actually take care of the problem? I don't care what he can say or how his music is or if he's got these great stories. Maybe he you know, dresses wonderfully. Can he fix the problem? And that's where Paul's at. I can give you a lot of things, but that's not going to fix the problem. There's no amount of of debate. And then this is the second problem of coming with uh, all this wisdom. There's no um, uh, amount of debate. There's no uh, amount of of wisdom, if you will, uh, that's going to make you righteous. You can't stand up to God with your limited knowledge. Uh, In Isaiah, uh, chapter 55, the prophet uh, writing, God uh, actually speaking through Isaiah, writes this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You can't come to God and out-debate him, out-wisdom him. Can't tell great stories and think that's going to get you by. I could tell him how fast I ran when I was in high school, and he'll tell you how he made the stars. He wins. You can't outdo God. There is only one thing, one thing that's going to make us right before God. Verse 2 Jesus Christ and him crucified that's it that's all we've got but it's wonderful that that's all we've got because he is all sufficient when paul would write to in colossians uh, chapter one he picks up on on uh, some of these ideas and paul writes this for in him in christ all the fullness of god was pleased to, to dwell the fullness of god and through him to reconcile to himself all things, making peace by the blood of his cross, Christ crucified. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast. And then he would write, which I, Paul, became a minister. He can present you holy and blameless and above reproach, if you continue in the faith stable and steadfast and that's why paul is saying i will give you nothing but christ and him crucified and he'll keep repeating it when you read his letters he'll always come back to this christ and him crucified and when paul talks about christ crucified he's talking uh, about the resurrection he's talking about the whole thing Uh, when paul wrote titus in titus chapter three he writes when the goodness of and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. And, and again, I love his wording. When the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. That's why we celebrate Christmas as we do. He saved us. And, and Jesus himself uh, would tell his disciples in John chapter 6, He said, this this is the will of my Father. This is why I came to the world, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. And Jesus said, and I'm I'm not going to lose any of them. All that the Father gives me will come and I will not lose a single one of them, because I have died for their sins, and that's all sufficient. That's all what you need. Died for all of our sins. And so when Paul writes to the Corinthians, if you look at at, uh, the first chapter in verse 17, Paul writes that, Christ didn't send me to baptize. He's he's, he's in an argument here, actually responding to a question, but he said, Christ didn't uh, send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now, of course, the cross can't be emptied of its power, but what Paul is saying is, I could really mess the whole thing up. I could lead you down a bad road, and then you would miss the power of the cross. That's why I'm not going to go that way. I'm just going to keep preaching the cross. And then that takes us to our passage in in the second chapter, verses four and five. My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirits and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The power of God. And Paul was so confident of this power of God to save. In fact, he would write in Romans chapter 8, and these are very familiar words, and you'll probably know uh, the words before I even speak them, but Paul wrote, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so, I determine to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. And those are the words we can take into the new year. Those are the words we can build our lives upon christ and him crucified and paul is resolved to speak that and only that everything he wants to do everything he's going to say he wants to make sure that's the leading message that comes out of it and he's resolved to do it and he's not making a new year's resolution per se here there's nothing to indicate this is a new year but he is making a resolution I am determined. I have decided to know nothing. I have resolved myself to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I love what uh, Henry M. Morris, who was a a brilliant scientist, actually, and uh, evangelist, uh, apologist, uh, what he writes about this verse. Uh, Morris writes, Paul's resolution simply to preach Christ the Lord of all true wisdom and power and glory, that he died for them and conquered death for them, is surely a good resolution for every believing Christian to make upon beginning a new year. It is that message, and only that message, that brings salvation and everlasting life. And like Paul, if there's one thing... I that we could take away. When somebody down the road looks back at your life and says, what was their life all about? To be able to have them say, it was about Christ and him crucified and how he was resolved or she was resolved to make sure that in everything they did, they were building on this truth. Our salvation is in Christ, and Christ alone. We have our deep need for him, but he is all-sufficient because he forgives those who believe in him. And through him, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is such a simple message you give us And yet we find ways to trip ourselves up. We find ways to confuse ourselves, to try to exalt ourselves, to try to make ourselves look great in front of other people. But in the end, it comes down to this, Christ and him crucified. Do we believe that? And if we do, Heavenly Father, we have eternal life with you. We are saved from our sins. Help us to keep the simplicity of this message. To not try to overthink ourselves or over-entertain ourselves with other uh, things. But to build upon Christ and Him crucified. We pray for those who don't have faith in Christ, that they will learn this truth because it's the only truth that will save them, and it is the truth they desperately need. Help us to build our lives on nothing less than Jesus Christ. We pray this in his powerful and wonderful name. Amen. And now, if you will stand, and together we will sing the doxology.